Holy shit, I'm gonna come. Because I just went gay all of a sudden. Pat's Blue Ribbon! I'm Charles Foster King! Snap out of it! Ahoy, sexy! It's showtime, folks. What's up, Criteria Cats? You are listening to Criteria Cast, the only podcast about the Criterion Collection that matters. I'm your host, Noah. I'm the other host, Gabe. I'm your other, other host, AJ. And today we have entered a new era of podcasting. We were formerly known as the Stupid Movie Podcast for Babies, and we are now known as Criteria Cast because we want to be able to tell people about our the things we do without cringing. Today, to kick it off, we're doing Paris, Texas, which is personally my favorite uh, film of all time. It's a beautiful movie. The general plot is that there is this man, after having a falling out with his family, played by Harry Dean Stanton, who is fucking amazing. Um, He gets amnesia, he forgets everything about his life, and he's just wandering through the desert until this doctor finds him, and then he finds some ID on him, and then he calls his brother, and then his brother brings him back with him to, uh, you know, with some difficulty to uh, his house, where he's taking care of Harry Dean Stanton's son. And the movie is essentially just about him rebonding with his son, and then they go on a mission to find uh, Jane, the kid's mother, together. And it's very heartbreaking and beautiful. Yeah. So uh, for the listeners at home who can't see, Noah is currently wearing a chef's hat. He is searing some onions. He has the stove on because this episode, he's going to cook. All right, Noah, you say this is your favorite movie of all time. I I want to hear some passion. Tell me why you love Paris, Texas. Well, it's like, it's hard to get into without like uh, revealing too much about my personal life. You know what I mean? But I will say that this movie has, uh, the best way I can describe it is, is it, if you've ever had one of, have, have you ever had one of those movies that you feel like just kind of like explains you, you know what I mean? Yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, American Psycho, Clock <laughs> Seriously though, like this, uh, this movie, like in all these like subtle nuanced ways and just because of, I guess, the shit I projected onto it, but it it just explains my life and why I am the way I am. And like, which yeah. character do you latch on to specifically in this? All of them. Well, so, um, again, I'm not going to reveal too much here, but I project myself onto both Harry Dean Stanton and Hunter, and then I project my mother onto Jane. Um, so, yeah, that's about okay. it, I say, but... I feel like that paints a pretty big picture, honestly enough, if you've seen the movie, which if you're listening to this and you haven't, go watch it after this, or actually, no, probably you should turn it off, watch it, and then maybe come back to this. But yeah, Paris, Texas, uh, you have long said that this is one of your favorite movies. I always see it in your letterbox top four, and I just, I'm happy to delve into uh, your your all-time favorite, if this is, you're putting it down, stamp on the book right now. It's nice to, it's nice to go from Justice League to this. <laughs> alright, alright, okay. Going forward, I'm putting a referendum. Anytime we mention these, I'm going to say some phrases, we mention them, I'm going to cut them. From now on, after this explanation, Zack Snyder, Justice League, and the Owls of Gahul. If we ever get on a riff about it, it's getting cut. I don't care how good the material is. I'm tired of this motherfucker poisoning my output. Now back to the actual movie at hand, Paris, Texas, by Vim Vendors. Is it, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I've just been. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it is. Vim Vendors. Yeah. Vendors. You know what I mean. I know, like it's spelled Wim Wenders, but I'm sure that cannot possibly be right. Let's call it Vim Vendors for now, and if not, I'll go back and edit it to make it sound smart. So yeah, West German director Vim Vendors. Uh, he made this because he wanted to make a story about uh, the United States. He met up with screenwriter Sam Shepard, and he wanted him to write another project for him called Hammett, which is about like this author who becomes part of his own crime novels he writes, something like that. It's like if you've ever seen that Edgar Allan Poe mystery movie, basically that. Uh, but Sam Shepard said, uh, no, that's dumb, but 
here I have this other thing called the Motel Chronicles, um, which was about the brother relationship mainly. And then uh, they built out from there. They started shooting without a finished script and then it developed into the more father-son angle as well because it was originally just about the dynamic of the two brothers. Really? So they were shooting before the... I haven't read... Honestly, I haven't read a lot of just random trivia for this movie. So they were they were shooting um, before they finished the script. Yeah, they started out... They took a break because they wanted to form the ending based off of the like actors' interpretations of the characters. And... Yeah, the whole like peep show angle didn't come in until after the break. So that just shows how like fluid movie making can be even for uh, non uh, cape shit crap. Like it can still have a sorted behind the scenes where it's like they were, you know, essentially going to make it up as they went. Yeah, I feel like the that kind of organic style of filmmaking, it like it almost like enhances the the product so it can either be really really fucking good like in an instance like magnolia or something Ooh. or it can be really really fucking bad another instance of organic filmmaking that's come up in our criteria cast was um in the mood for love yeah one car why one car why yep it, yeah i mean i think it's one of those like very advanced techniques where it goes either very well or probably really poorly yeah it's yeah. that like remnants of the new hollywood movement where you know, you get like Easy Rider where they're making up and also on acid. It's kind of the remnants of that because this came out in the 80s, which was not the like best time for America. At least America. <laughs> Coincidence? But yeah, the 80s notoriously, at least for American cinema, which this technically isn't, so I don't know why I'm comparing, uh, was not the best time in terms of creative decisions made by actual people. It's when like franchises... Not the, like, fully taking over the mainstream, but it's definitely when their eggs were planted for later. I know, and it's also Rocky, super Rambo, it's, it's yeah. also super ironic that this is my favorite movie because my least favorite decade for movies is the 80s. Really? Yeah, I fucking hate the 80s. What are some 80s movies you got beef with? Um, literally anything that's not John Carpenter. <laughs> I mean, the 80, yeah, the 80s, you know, they do have a lot of trash, but they, you got some even in terms of, like, crowd-pleasing fare. You got the fucking Indiana Jones movies. You ever heard of them? Yeah, that's yeah, pretty good. And also, like, speaking of John Carpenter, The, the Thing, you know, yeah. that's an 80s movie. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite movies. That's not what I'm saying. I love John Carpenter, but... Mostly... No, I know what you mean. There's a lot of trash in the 80s. We could, we could do a retrospective on the fucking John Hughes movies and how those have aged as we've gone on but we're talking about paris texas um you guys want more some production texas which is what i'm calling this segment this episode sure okay so the motel chronicles script which was just about the brothers and one of them having lost his memory grew to 160 pages and as it grew the relationship between the brother and brother lessened in importance and numerous endings were even considered um skipping down skipping down I got this from Wikipedia. Uh, um, yeah, so originally, uh, Harry Dean Stanton was unsure of the part, mainly because him and Natasha Kinski are 34 years apart in age, and they're playing husband and wife. That felt very, I mean, I can believe it. I feel like it's a very Texas-esque kind of like, you know, shotgun wedding kind of situation, but. They also adapted the script to it, I guess. They're like, oh, mm -hmm. she was. I don't know, 17 or 18 when he was much older. <laughs> I know, they really kind of breezed past that part. They are like, he, she was 18 years old and he was much older. <laughs> we won't say <laughs> how. Yeah, it's best to keep that vague, though. You yeah, it's, that. yeah it's already, he's already tying her to the stove with a belt. We don't need age gap yeah. discourse on top of that. Also, um, I don't is it is it like straight canon that he went into an amnesic am Amnesiatic? I don't know. Is, is this he amnesiac? Amnesia? Yeah. Or was it just like he, he chose to forget and chose not to remember? Well, I mean, that's so that this is another reason why I really fuck with this movie. Is, and this, you know, again, I'm not going to get too in depth here, but um, a, a psychological defense mechanism to deal with trauma for some people can be to just completely forget what happens. And uh, that's something that I've like dealt with in my personal life is like you can you can literally f 
be unable to recall entire periods of your life, the good and the bad, if something was distressful enough that you needed to forget. So, um, yeah, it's like definitely an exaggeration that he forgot everything, right? But I think in general, the the idea there is like super sad and like I relate to it. I guess. I also don't think this movie is entirely literal in terms of like just the basic plot like because if a man you know walked around in the desert for four years uh he would be picked apart by birds yeah. it's supposed to be like how the bible will kind of exaggerate like oh he lived to be 900 it's like no he just he was old he was much older than his wife uh which this is a biblical parallel right here a man walking out of the desert like back from the dead that's lazarus like yeah, so i think the kind of exaggeration is part of it with yeah. I mean, this, this movie is incredibly symbolic. It's very, like, European in that sense. Whereas, like, the uh, the use of color and the framing of all the shots are very much speak to what's happening versus a lot of the time in um, American cinema where they show you things in the shot that are metaphorical. This is, like, they use the composition and the different color schemes to tell a story about what the characters are feeling and the emotions. And, of course, like, later on, American cinema started catching on to that, but... Yeah, you don't get many bright green uh, doctor's offices. Like, <laughs> Speaking of which, that, that was something I wanted to dive into at some point. We can save it for later if you want, but I wanted to dive into the color of this movie. Dive in, dude. You are the head chef. Anything you say, we're just going to say yes, chef. So I absolutely love the use of color in this movie. And I, I could definitely see how one would criticize it as being like too much, and like that's entirely understandable. But this is a fucking art movie, you know what I mean? And... The use of color in this film is absolutely spectacular. So there are three main colors that they use to talk about, or that um, Wim Wenders uses to talk about what the characters are feeling and um, where their development is going. That's red, blue, and green. And red, uh, I think, symbolizes like the pain that all the characters are feeling and the wounds they carry with them. And then blue is something like... Um, hope for the future and new beginnings and then green is very um about like change and growth and that sort of thing and if you pay attention it's like very much context driven like and jane was driving in a red car with yeah jane was driving in a red car he's, he's wearing a red baseball cap when he walks out of the desert he's always wearing red and then when him and his son are together developing the relationship he's wearing red and there's like red and green also, like when he's when he's wandering through the desert and then he walks out of the desert, um, it progressively becomes greener and greener and greener. Which obviously, you know, that happens when you leave a desert. But um, he's taking a huge step forward by leaving this place of like isolation. And I also think the desert is kind of like a reflection of his uh, mind, right? Like this empty, like you know, he doesn't have anything in there. He's just wandering. He's drifting. Yeah, he's lost in his own mind for four years, like, trying to discover his self again. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's just a lot of, like, metaphors in this movie. Um, I think when he's reconnecting with his son, his son's always turned by the schoolyard with the blue background, yep. the blue sky in his background. Mm -hmm. so. Well, also, I'm looking at the, like, Google images of it now, and the first peep show scene when it goes, like, bad, and he's like, oh, you sleep with your clients, right? See? It's, like, the whole backdrop of her. She's wearing this pink kind of sweater, and everything's, like, red or orange or shades of red. And then the second one, when he's like, hey, uh, your son's out there, uh, it's all blue. She's wearing, like, a black dress, and the blue reflects off of it really nice. So, yeah, it's just going along with yeah. the whole use of color in this movie. I, I just wrote down a bunch of examples. I'm just going to read these off um so obviously first first major greens green scene <laughs> there is this with the doctor and this kind of like feeds into the idea of like you know green being about healing and growth and shit literally in a doctor's office right yeah missing him Re reconnects with his brother um i wrote a note that said smoking on planes baby um hell yeah yes there was Hunter wear oh there's a part where Hunter wears blue overalls with red underneath. Um, when Travis reconnects with the family, and so that's kind of like, you know, Dean Stockwell's like the 
king of blue. Like he he wore blue velvet. Yeah, his whole his whole vi- yeah exactly. He's that dude in blue velvet, the guy who like sings in the corner. Yep, he's so he's so he's such a great actor. Um, but there's color there. Then there's obviously Natasha Kinski's red car. The kid's sitting in a red car when he um, ditches his dad at after school. Um, the Super Eight with all the there was like a lot of red imagery mm-hmm. in there, which by the way that whole scene was just like, oh my god, tears, where they're watching the Super Eight film together. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and then the the movie ends like in it's like all green. Oh yeah, like the driving away sequence. Well, he he's in a red car, right? But when when Natasha Kinski reunites with her son, they're both wearing green. The background is green. The lighting in there is green. Like everything's fucking green. Harry Dean Stanton's standing in a green light in the parking ramp. Like yeah. they're eating green beans. They're watching the Muppets. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you said, the red fake hotel room, uh, like the peep thing. Peep yeah. show. What exactly goes on at a peep show? You just like watch them play around with themselves. I guess. Yeah, it's 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 before the internet. This is as close as you could get. To Are that. you allowed to touch yourself at a peep show, or is it like you know porno theater rules? Like you're gonna get pee weed if you if you do that. I mean, you used to be like back in the eighties. You used to be able to jerk off in movie theaters that showed like adult films. So no, like, no, that's what that's what uh Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman got arrested for doing that. Was it really? Oh. Yeah, he got arrested for doing that in, like, the 90s, and then he had to do a bunch of PSAs about not smoking crack. <laughs> this is rock, crack cocaine. <laughs> it's just so, like, like what a weird PSA. It's like, I got caught jerking off. Anyways, don't do drugs. Don't smoke crack. <laughs> um, so, so another thing with the color is um, when Travis first comes under Walt's, his brother's care, so he's red at first, and he starts progressively wearing blue clothes, and the surroundings, like you'll see, like it's hard to describe, but you'll see little dots of red surrounded by blue, almost like it's like his brother's energy, like embracing him, embracing his pain, helping him find a new beginning. You know, it's like you'll see him get progressively less red, and then when he starts. Um, something triggers him he'll get he'll get red again you know he'll start wearing red all this stuff i love that i love that because that's the most like earliest example of being able to use film to convey different themes through visuals is just color because that's what in like the 1890s people will put colored gels to convey different emotions that's just so classic cinema that's like motion itself is barely earlier than the idea of using color to convey different themes and emotions and characters and it's like oh villains would be a scary green or like stuff like that i like it because it's you know it's not intrusive yeah it's just like a little thing that if you're reading into it it's there yeah and you know every like film student views a stylized filmmaker as being edgar wright or something like that where it's just so obvious and in your face but more filmmakers i think it's a lot more difficult to show stylization through something as literally simple as just what color is the frame like in a non-artificial way like you know you can put a gel over it or something but to just have it the lighting convey that is a skill unto its own so uh congrats vim you get a thumbs up from me good job vim (laughs) my boy vim yeah i uh i feel like the the whole paris texas like uh because this is a european film made in like about america it's like paris texas i'm pretty sure that's what that is it's gotta be yeah and there's like europeans in the, several europeans in the film too yeah <laughs> it's a he's got like a french wife you know you got natasha kinski that's not exactly like jane smith's name but they brought they brought Paris they brought the Paris to the Texas. You can take the Paris out of Texas, but you can't take the Texas out of Paris. Yeah, I mean you can. Wait. So <laughs> I, I was gonna say this about the whole like how initially this was like the Motel Chronicles um, or diaries. 
<laughs> I'm so glad they changed the name. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Right. But uh, it, it's just, uh, I, you can very much so tell that around like halfway through there's a change in direction because like the brother very much so became very not like the entire like West Coast aspect of this film just got dropped kind of like abruptly around the halfway mark. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, totally. They went in an entirely different direction. Yeah. The dad seems kind of way too chill about basically his son being kidnapped like i know he's not technically his son but he's just like uh, what's his name hunter where have you been we've been looking all over for you like it's like oh yeah i've been kidnapped by my real dad knowing like what uh the dad did you know mm -hmm. is he aware of his brother's actions yeah he just doesn't know like well i think he is isn't he they never, they he's just not aware of like where he's been or what he's been doing. Really, they didn't really make it. Did they make it? Uh, no, no, no. They he he knows because Jane told him because Jane oh, was okay. like around for a little bit. Yeah, not gonna lie. Walt kind of dropped the ball in terms of taking care of uh, another person, especially early on with his brother. He's like, okay, I haven't seen my brother in four years. He clearly has no idea where he is. Can't talk. Okay, can you stay here for a few minutes while I go buy some shoes? Yes, I will leave the door unlocked. <laughs> He just like, runs away. Like, I get that it, it, it's a cool way to establish that his brother's kind of gone a little bit wild, but, like, it's still, like, hey, man, I need a little bit of thought for, you know, forethought on that. Yeah, one. I definitely wouldn't have. And then later he's like, yeah, sure, you can drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me just fall asleep while you drive the one. This mountain man who has been in the desert for four years, yeah, of course, operate this heavy piece of machinery we're renting. <laughs> if, if we're hedging our bets, you know, um, God, was it Walter? I forget his first name. Walt. Walt. Um, uh, Walt had spent the what, like forty first, like for the first forty years of his life being a normal person. So, well, no, know. no, Travis. Travis is the Travis dad, character, but yeah. Walt is his brother. I apologize, Travis. I'm very, I'm very, I've been, I have been, I've had a hard time with keeping track of these names. I don't know why. There's like six characters. Okay, so another another thing, like some of these, uh, like neon, like gel lit scenes. Kind of reminds me of Gaspar Noe. Like, I feel like the Wim Wenders, or this movie at least, influenced Gaspar Noe. Definitely. Especially like the climax and uh, Enter the Void. Some some women there. I'm sure this also had an impact on. I don't know if either of you guys have seen this, but Red Rocket from uh, 2021. Seen it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's, it's a movie that also takes place in kind of like a shitty city in Texas. And it's very like neon lit factory lights of like the steam mill or whatever the fuck is in Texas. And the just like the color of the sky. That blue sky. That yeah, blue... Texas has a good ass sky. You know, I've driven through Texas and it's got a good ass sky. I haven't. No, it's like those big open fields. Just make all of it. That's one of my favorite Johnny Cash lines is those big open plains make the sky look bigger. It really does. Oh my god. You straight up, you it's like a mile of just flat land you can see. I did the exact drive that uh, Travis and Walt did from uh, somewhere in Texas to Los Angeles. And pretty part of America. Pretty part of the world. Yeah. I don't care, man. All of America is pretty pretty. You're Let's not get carried away. There's some shitty ass states. Yeah, it's <laughs> so, you know. uh, there was definitely some shitty ass states I drove through, but... Yeah. Some loser wiener states. I'm not going to say them in case they're in our viewership, but... What, like, okay. Wyoming? Wyoming. Wyoming. I don't even know. Those, like, middle kind of states that are just, like, flat. I think it was Nebraska was the one I drove through. I was like, meh. I think, I think Zion Valley is in Utah. Like, it's, like, one redeeming movie they got. Dude, I went to this random... Stopped at this random fucking town in Utah. My dad and I were just like, all right, where do we eat? Because we don't want to eat gas station food or McDonald's or something. So we went to this steakhouse in this small Utah town. And when we walked in, it was like a Western movie. When you walk in the fucking saloon, everyone just like looked at us. They were like. It's like that one bar in SpongeBob. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the just fucking. Like, uh... Ooh, a bubble blowing baby. Like, <laughs> the salty. <laughs> 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 what was that? <laughs> I ain't seen you around these parts, boy. No, um, and then we just got the most like mid sixty dollars steaks ever. Damn. It's one of those things where I went to like this McDonald's in the bumfuck nowhere, Missouri, and everyone was like looking at me. I'm like, what? 
It's McDonald's, bro. It's fast food. I ain't seen you in this McDonald's before. Yeah, so. it's so weird. It's like, this is McDonald's. You're not supposed to know people here. Yeah. How small and shitty is You're this town? You're never supposed to see someone twice at McDonald's. It's yeah. supposed to be like a peep show scenario, you know? You, you don't look at them, they can't see you. Yeah, but they were like having conversations. Like, like I, I, don't want, I don't want people to know I go to McDonald's if Absolutely I go. Absolutely not, yeah. You know? Like, that, that, that's like... That's like supposed to be... <laughs> Private, no. private, private McDonald's viewership. Yeah. yeah, you go there after like you've had like some like very guilty like you know like this is probably not okay like I'm emotion we're emotionally dependent sex and then you go to eat McDonald's and make you know feel better. Eat some chicken nuggets. Yeah. Go wander in the desert for four years. So, I just want to share a couple quotes from this movie that I really liked. Um. That's that's only her in a movie a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. That was sweet, yeah. That was a really good one. I like that. Mm-hmm. These little Star Wars sheets, too. That's not, that's not mommy. That's her in a movie. Like, I don't know, man. Kids, kids say, like, the deepest shit sometimes. Why do you drink that stuff? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was awesome. Another good one yeah. was, uh, how do you have two fathers? Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> Aww. Yeah. What? That just felt like a slice of life. Like I absolutely believe two kids have had that conversation. Yeah, I know. And then this this one's like, these two are sad. This one is, I wanted to see him so bad I didn't dare imagine him anymore. That one hit me too. Yeah. I was like, I was crying, dude. I was tearing Mm. up. And then every man has your voice. Oh, that whole scene. Yeah. Like that whole second uh, peep show scene is got to be my favorite scene in movie history. Like that shit is phenomenal. Yeah, definitely the highlight of the movie, those two peep show scenes. Yeah, how, how he's like telling the story of their like them. them <laughs> and then she like slowly realizes it's about, it's about them. And then she starts crying and shit. Yeah. And she tells the shit he hasn't heard. Oh, dude. And the one-way mirror thing is just so genius. I don't know. That's just like a... Just fucking chef's kiss, dude. That's like a gift to be given to an actor, that scene, on either end. Both of them are given something to play, giving like a challenge to play against, because, you know, one of them can see the other, they can't see them. It basically goes against everything that you need for a successful uh, dialogue scenes to a, be able to see the person you're talking to, to make a connection. They have to make a connection solely through their voice. And they did it. I also like how he turned his chair away, too. That's kind of an interesting little tidbit, too. Yeah. Yeah, and like there's that moment where uh, was it, he turned on the light or something so she can see him, and then she turns away. Yeah, they reverse it. Mm-hmm. Like, because he can't look at her while he's, like, saying this shit. It's just too much for him. And she doesn't, she can't look at him either. (coughs) Dude, there's this part where she's not, she's facing the other way. And then she's telling the story. And you can see in the darkness just for a fraction of a second. A little twinkle in her eye. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was just for a... That's how near is the ending scene too, when he's driving away and you see like a bit of a shine on his cheek, like a tears forming. Mm -hmm. Like that shit was excellent. The because they're not like they're not like (laughs) yeah. It's just like a kind of crying where it's just stoic almost. I'm so broken, but I've already cried so much about this that I. Like, it's just like tears are just falling at this point. I also just like that idea that like tears are like ugly and like heavy and like very visceral. It's like I feel like crying is a very private matter that you don't like. It doesn't come out in this burst, this large burst of energy. It's a very somber thing, What's especially just... when you're like beginning to mature. It's like something yeah. you like you let out, but you don't let out like it's boisterous. I, I think a lot of actors get that wrong. I've, well, I think it just depends on a who you are and like b what the situation is and how you react to it you know i think the whole nature of crying on camera kind of goes against what makes crying realistic because 
the whole, like you know as an actor as a like your character is crying but as a person what you're doing is you are trying to cry whereas when in real life anytime you cry you are actively trying to stop crying like that's your body is trying to shut it down whereas to get that going like you have to want to cry which is why so many people just do the <laughs> like that shit <laughs> yeah i mean the only the only way that actors can like do it right without being like stupidly over dramatic is they have to like actually visualize shit that makes them cry and then that can mm-hmm. yeah. make myself do that <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's kind of hard but like uh, all right let's all try to cry right now This is an audio medium, so I needed to amplify it. I already have visible tears. Damn. All right, let's pick this up. I want to talk about Natasha Kinski, specifically this one piece of trivia, not even really to this movie, but it's a funny story. I'm going to share it anyway. Okay, so this was when Natasha Kinski was working on Cat People with Paul Schrader. Uh, Director Paul Schrader and lead actress Natasha Kinski had an affair during the production of Cat People. Schrader fell in love and planned to propose marriage to Kinski at the rap party, but she didn't show up and cut off all communication with him. After three months, Schrader finally tracked down Kinski in Paris, where she bluntly told him, Paul, I always fuck my directors, and with you it was difficult. I've heard this quote. I fucking love that. That I always fuck my directors. Did she fuck Vim? (laughs) Did she? I think that implies that she probably did. Damn. She is gorgeous in this movie. Yeah. She's also in like a Lolita type movie called Tess by, you guessed it, Roman Polanski. Woma <laughs> Um, I haven't seen it, but I kind of want to watch it, but I just feel like it's going to be uncomfortable. I just like her so much that I would just watch anything she's in, honestly. But, yeah, maybe Tess isn't a popcorn flick. Probably not. Don't bring it out at a party. That's that's like a one and done. Seems like. Imagine trying to bring Lolita out at a party. <laughs> you guys want some Paris Triviexes? Yeah, you mean Maria Trivianette? No, that era's dead. R.I.P. the stupid babies. We gotta keep Maria and Trivianette. No, also, here's the thing. I feel like it's just like one of our alter egos, you know? Like, maybe, you know, like, somebody puts, like, a a, a, a symbol in the sky, and then out comes the stupid movie babies. It's like those domains where you type it in, it just directs you to, like, oh, you're actually going to Disney.com now. (laughs) The stupid movie podcast for babies is Criteriacast if we, like, do cocaine. (laughs) That's Criteria Cast if you want to have a bad time. Yeah. We kind of want to do that sometimes, right? Like what? shit on something? Cocaine? Oh. That too, yeah. <laughs> Both, yeah. Um, so some Marie and Trivia Net. Uh, during the scene in the Texas airport, Dean Stockwell's character is on the phone with his wife. The PA announcer can be heard saying, A message for Joy Stockwell. Joy Stockwell, Austin will arrive at any minute. Joy was Dean's wife, and Austin, his son, was born during production of this film. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I gotta be real, not a lot of trivia about this movie that isn't just like, oh, it was on this list of best movies, it's this director's favorite, oh, it's on this list of movies to see before you die. That's like most of the uh, trivia. Yeah. It's Kurt Cobain's favorite movie, if that means anything. That was kind of cool. Yeah, me and Kurt Cobain are like, that makes sense. But you had somebody I else. Also, I, I also, I also rub my shit on paintings. You said, but in there, you said Kurt Cobain and who else? Elliot Smith. Yeah, this one. Both. Needle in the hay. Wait, this is actually Kurt Cobain's favorite movie. Uh, at least according to IMDb. That's so sick. You know, I didn't like consult Courtney Love for this information. I'm just gonna say, why would someone lie about that? And if they did, oh well. Dude, um, so another really great scene is when <sighs> Travis and Hunter are walking home together, and then they're walking on opposite sides of the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking around together and like bonding, and then because there's like this distance between them. That's another like metaphor. And then they 
he crosses the street and then they walk together. Yeah, he's wearing that swagged out white suit too. Yeah, with a hat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that touched me. It was I touching. Was, I think I think one of my I think I get a very genuine laugh out of when um he's getting he's getting Hunter to call back home. And he's like, no, Dad, you do it. He's like, ah, no, I can't. You have to. I'm like, <laughs> I just love how the dad is like so like adverse to that conflict because yeah. he knows it makes like if you're an adult and you try to send it to another adult, they're gonna be like, dude, what, what the fuck do you yeah, mean? Yeah, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, you cannot take an eight year old child on a hunt for your yeah. you know a little manipulative on Travis. Oh, totally. Part, I thought it was hilarious though. It's pretty funny. Yeah, uh, canceled. I think- no, when did you first see this movie? Um, probably 2019, maybe 2019. Okay. What movie did this dethrone as your previous favorite movie? I'm just trying to think of the ones that I know are like certified Noah's. I was gonna say like Inglorious Bastards, Goodfellas, Goodwill Hunting. I'm just thinking of all the ones that you would put up on your mantelpiece. Like these are the movies that are me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I need to update that. Well, yeah, I guess I discovered Lost in Translation in Paris, Texas, around the same time. Yeah. So. Those are pretty pretty similar in terms of vibes, like the longingness the uh feeling of loneliness like you mess things up yeah that's me (laughs) i'm the problem it's me i'm the problem it's me (laughs) yeah um i mean so like what what are you guys rating this because i feel like i'm definitely the most hyped on this for sure i give a strong performance like an 8.5 9 out of 10 in that range between those it was just a very solid film yeah i'm definitely not as like uh this is me as you are no like i don't really personally connect to this movie i think it's good movie i like looking at it great performances you know terrific scenes throughout it's not one of my uh what i would hang on my mantelpiece but i totally get it being a personal connection with you i'd probably go like 8 8.5 and even that i think would be probably too low but i'm just going by my gizzard and yeah not not yucking I'm not yucking anyone's yum here. I'm just saying, you know, not one of my personals, but very good nonetheless. You did good, Vim. That's respectable. I would understand that too because it is slow at times. Yeah, I would say I'm definitely more interested in the second half once it's like a we gotta find mom adventure versus the the like Motel Chronicles part of it. <laughs> Like, I think finding him in the desert and then establishing that was needed, but, like, it was definitely not. I think, the though, like, just the image of a man disheveled walking out of a desert is so striking. That's such a good way to start it. But then I gotta say, I'm, like, less interested in him just, like, trying on new boots or renting a rental car. He doesn't say shit for, like, the first, like, 25 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you, you can get away with that. for sure. You can do that for sure and do it well, but, like, it, it was, you know... Yeah, I, th- I think it's kind of well. I mean, there's just like a lot of like visual storytelling, you know. I thought that was cool, like especially because there's no dialogue for at least the first five minutes, and then he's like, he doesn't talk for. Tw- I don't know. I, I I kept me engaged. I thought that was cool. Uh, there was like minimal dialogue going on for a while. I'm just imagining, I'm trying to imagine since he's not talking, the scene that takes place where like we have to get this guy off a plane because. He's not speaking, but somehow he has like a Rain Man reaction to going on a plane where he's like slapping his head or whatever. I'm just imagining that went down. <laughs> what if he was just like, I want to go. I know, that's like his whole vibe is just kind of like, we we need the same car. It's not even like a, like annoying. He's like, no, we need to go in the same car. Like he sounds very reasonable. Like he could probably reason with <laughs> mentally confused Travis, like fugue stake Travis. You could probably just be like, no, we don't. So we, need, we need that car. This is the same car. What do you mean, Travis? Get in. Yeah, I've been with I've been with people that are like drunk enough to kind of be in that fugue state, where you're just like, nah, it's fine. If you just kind of bulldoze your way through, it will it, it'll just work. Yeah. <laughs> you need to justify yourself. You're just like, no, we're doing this. Oh man, this is such a 
I was I was definitely crying earlier. It's fucking. Uh... Was it cathartic? Yeah, man. The first couple times I watched this movie, I bawled my fucking eyes out. It was awesome. Awesome experience. That's great. Now it has like the more you watch it, obviously the less intense that's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll never forget watching it for the first time. I think I saw this for the first time on the Criterion channel, like literally the first week I got my subscription way back when. This was my first viewing. It was pretty. It was pretty nice. It was. I don't think I could. I don't think I would be able to connect it to the same to the same degree that you did. But it was a very good. It was a very pleasant watch. Yeah, I'll take it over an ultimate edition any day. And I didn't say the name, so I'm not cutting this. Uh, <laughs> That's all I ask of you guys. Is you know, yeah, it was like good. It was yeah, good. It was good. I, was <laughs> uh, I was. Yeah, I was, what if I came in? Fuck Paris, Texas, man. Dude, I, that might have ended our friendship. Bro. I just I can't imagine anyone having that opinion about this movie just being that viscerally. Fucking hate this movie. There like, are people have that opinion like why <laughs> chill man <laughs> just contrarians though there's nothing to actually dislike yeah i'm the guy who hates this movie that everyone loves fuck should yeah. i pull up some one-star reviews of paris texas will that trigger you that's gotta be it's gotta be a state like a, you know, like a standard for the criteria cast is the fucking one-star reviews yeah i didn't do my homework it was a very busy week I don't get the amount of hype surrounding this film. Travis is a dick. A manipulative, possessive piece of shit with no empathy whatsoever. He spends two hours caring for no one but himself, not true, even though he, is, he, is, he was being spoiled by his supporting brother. He manipulated his son and Jane, and the whole film surrounds the idea of him being a victim. That pisses me off so much in both. The cinematography and art direction is great and all, but what's the point of the film itself? If the film itself leaves a bitter taste in your mouth. Jane is the true star of the show. Natasha Kinski is amazing. And look at her with the pink sweater. Truly iconic. That scene is pure fake deep dialogue on Travis's part. Again, what the fuck are you talking about? But Jane is truly devastated. And you see how she is traumatized by this abusive relationship. Right now, I can't think of any more bad things to say about this film. But trust me, I'll probably add more stuff here. Okay, first of all, this is just like the biggest like bonehead take I've ever seen. Also, um... Like, oh, character does bad things, so the movie's bad. It's like, mm -hmm. I, I want, I want to say, daddy issues. Yeah. Wait, yeah. no, I, I have a half star review that I think was written after hearing your take on why you like this movie. <laughs> uh, it, okay, so the review is half a star from I'm Train. You know, a movie is shitty when all they say is how the red and the green neon lighting stuck with them. Fuck this guy. Oh, that's. That's pretty low. Well, fuck I'm, you. They're wrong, but that's... I'm just like, were they listening to us? Are they in the room with us? I just look over and I see, like, Ulrich on a phone, like... Tick -a -tick -a -tick. Dude, why, what, why would you... I, I just love what? the idea of your cat shit-talking you while you're trying to be productive. <laughs> what does this, this person think that... should be... So you say something good about the movie and it's like... That's all that stuck with you is the amazing cinematography. Yeah, it's like okay. Oh, oh, okay. So all you got from that movie was the way that they use visual storytelling to convey themes and feelings. <laughs> Sounds like shit to me. <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, I can't believe they like conveyed the message with like very little words. This movie sucks shit. It's like, yeah. <laughs> okay, this review is half star from Tank. Of course, this was brought to us by Anus Films. <laughs> <laughs> that guy fucking rocks. That's funny. <laughs> anyway, I have Tank booked for the next episode. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. God. Uh, if you hate this movie, I hate you. Sorry. Fuck these people. How do you? How do you? Do you? Can you filter out, filter them out to like the low ones? Yeah, you can, if you're on uh, oh. mobile, maybe not. I'm on the desktop one. So this, this review comes from an account called Paris, Texas Lover. And it's half a star. It says, my daughter forced me to watch it. It felt like she was punishing me. Boring. Oh, fuck that guy. 
It's not even a funny comment. I know. I'm just amazed by how much of their profile is that they don't like Paris, Texas. <laughs> their their handle is Paris, Texas lover, and their bio is I love Paris, Texas, and in parentheses I don't. I feel like they like you know when people like make their personality around the fact that they like, they do one thing. Like, it, that feels like that. Do you want to hear what their four favorite films are? Yeah. Um, Almost Famous. Yep. Mm, Knives see. Out. Ew. Weird. Fight Club and Joker. What a clown. <sighs> Send in the clowns. <laughs> yeah, people with garbage takes always have garbage top four. This person says... Cameron Johnson, half star, says, I spent the whole two hours waiting for this to get good. Am I missing something? How is the school cool with Hunter disappearing in the middle of the day? This isn't how child custody works. I don't think they ever explicitly said they were cool. It's just, you know, there's not a scene where there's like a 50 car police car pile up chasing down Travis in the desert. It's like, I'm sure some calls were made. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's just implied. You know what I mean? I don't have to waste time talking about it. Well, also, this isn't this, this isn't a movie that benefits from somebody trying to nitpick it. Like, I don't know. It it yeah. It's, like like you said, man. It's like super metaphorical. Yeah. It's not a literal movie. Yeah. Like I like to make movies like Superman because it's like you know fun and it's nice to like you know try to like break make holes in that plot because it's already a pretty weak one. But this one, it doesn't really matter if you're like. Oh, it, the, the, the custody, it's like, who gives a fuck? Yeah. Dude, I fucking hate I'm Train. They need to stop existing. They need to unalive themselves. Top four favorite movies. Rise, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Suck my dick, dude. No, I have a... This next review is going to make you so mad, I'm worried you might, like, literally leap through the computer shooting a gun at me. So this is by a Letterboxd user named Isla, and it's their review is Letterboxd has taught me that people will rate mediocre films five stars if they include some nice landscape shots and an aesthetically pleasing young woman. Shut up! <laughs> we get it. Wow. <laughs> See, but the point is, like, landscape shots and pleasing young women, like, yeah, that's already two things that most movies don't have going for them, so. Yeah. Dude, what a ding-dong. What a ding-bat. You might as well just say, I'm ugly, I'm not cool with it. <laughs> anyway, this has been our segment where we uh, make calls to violence against online users. If you have their addresses, track them down and tell them that CriteriaCast sent you and then break their legs. Right. Calling all CriteriaCats. Calling all CriteriaCats. Please dox these individuals. Tell them, tell them I want to box them. We're going to have our own militia. We don't want a fan base. Fuck a Patreon. We're forming a child army. Gabe's gonna get you with his leg kicks. For real. <laughs> Your legs. Exclusively. Those shits hurt, dude. They do hurt. I wanna get good at leg kicks. I want some, I want some leg kick action. Um, <laughs> scare someone without actually hurting them. They're like, what the fuck was that? You scared the shit. <laughs> so he kicked his leg. Yeah. He's like, alright, alright. That's enough. That's enough. <laughs> Well, it's just because it's like, you don't expect it, and they're like, ow, yeah. fuck. He's like, that's freaky. What else can this guy do? <laughs> yeah. Man, what else we got to say about this? How, how far are we into this podcast? Uh, we're at about 50 minutes. Yeah. I don't know. I, uh, most of what I have to say about it is just like, yeah, this is like really good. Do you think, uh, do you think, uh, the peep, peep, what, what is that called? A peeper, peep box? Peep, peep show? Those exist around here? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'm that. sure they do. I know, I keep getting fucking ads for, like, sex dungeons in Los Angeles, so. Yeah. There's vampire shit going on out there, bro. Dude, I've, I've, like, checked them out. I'm like, these are pretty reasonable rates, honestly. Dude, I would totally go to a sex party. Mm-hmm. I also take a pass on that. That sounds like chlamydia city. Uh, dude, that sounds like you could get venereal diseases. <laughs> you enjoy yourself and your scratchy balls. <laughs> Don't come crying to me. Yeah. I'm just saying, I, all I need is like, I can get pussy.
Like I don't need I don't need to go to a party. Like I can just figure that out. I, I can get pussy. I should I should I add an applause break after that? <laughs> you guys, you guys would you like I'm literally making the most sense here too. Is the funny thing. It's like, I I want to. I've read Socrates. Fuck you, too, idiot. I get pussy. <laughs> yeah. No no no. You guys are. This is actually stupid because it's like who's who's gonna show up to a sex party? Cool people. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if I'd go to like a sex party in any city, but I'm in Los Angeles. It's a pretty wide pool. I go to an eyes wide shut sex party. Fuck yeah, me. I'm not going to like a Davenport, Iowa sex party, but <laughs> a Cedar Rapids sex party. No, dude, dude, yeah, Cedar I'm, Rapids. I mean, you guys are you also aren't considering like the statistical like variance of attractiveness. Most people the statistical like, variance of. Yeah, but like again, again, this is like this is like a we're talking. What me and AJ are talking about is like the sex party where you have to have clout to get in there. Yeah, yeah you gotta yeah, have Riz. The Riz only <laughs> sex party. Because like in the hypothetical that we have clout, we'll get into a sweet sex party. Right now, that's a what no goddamn sex hypothetical sex are you talking about? We got clout. We got that criteria clout. All right, guys. Enjoy your weird I mean, sex party. I mean, you're right, but like... <laughs> yeah, I know I'm right. I have the most valid point here. I'm, you guys are just ganging up on me, but I'm I, right. I get pussy. Don't boo me. Don't boo me. I'm right. Your sex party's gonna suck. You're I gonna love... get chlamydia. It's gonna be with, like, fives at best. AJ, we're not cutting this conversation. I think yeah. it's objectively hilarious. Gabe, I don't see how you can hate from outside of the club. You can't even get in. Ha ha ha, let go. Ha ha ha, let go. <laughs> I think for your own sake, you want to cut that. <laughs> what? That was an AJ original. Uh, who? What, what? Who are you talking about? <laughs> that was so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to. I, I just want to go to some of these like weird places. Not even out of like. I'm trying to fuck. Just. I just want to. Just want to go and watch on the corner. No, I just want to go take. Like, like holy shit, this exists. You know, I I feel like you should experience everything. Except for like killing people and stuff. But, like, dude, I'm always talking. Like, I want to take a weird ass trip to Europe. I'm just, dude, yeah, can, will, you, will you go to Europe? I would love to go to Europe. I mean, you know, my bank account wouldn't love me. That's what's keeping me. I'm not like afraid oh, of flying or whatever, I'm, but. Already booked. Like, let's go. Oh, yeah. Let's go visit Gabe this summer. Yeah. He's going to France for all yeah, this crowd. Like, You're going to France? Oh, yeah, for the RA thing. Um, oh, shit. How long are you staying? Uh, probably that's going to be like six weeks, maybe. Hell so, yeah. We're gonna have to take out some loans for that, but whatever. I'm totally going. You're gonna be doing Criteria Cast Abroad. Yeah, that's also gonna be kind of a weird one. We're gonna probably go. If that is a thing, we're gonna have to do very early. Well, well late for me, you, but early for you. Early for you guys. I'm used to it because I have to do that when I talk to my mom, but. Yeah. It's, it's like, like a seven hour difference. It's not too no, bad. it's gonna be eight or nine. Should we do only French films this summer, though, so Gabe feels at home? That would be cool. That'd be a cool theme. Oh, we can do Tati this summer. Yeah. Or is that already I mean, right now I have it tentatively as the summer of love, and it was all the movies that vaguely referenced love. That's pretty cool. This guy fucking sucks. Yeah, what's your neighbor's name? I gotta credit him now that we're stealing his music. I know. <laughs> He's going. What is a thirteen chord? I couldn't tell you. What is a thirteen-year-old girl? a major seven even though it's simple i don't know what it is because i'm dumb dun, 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 dun. minor sevens don't exist dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> you go up there and it's like alice cooper or something i still talk that shit to alice cooper the guy doesn't know anything about like actual music theory you should go up there and tell that guy to shut the fuck up yeah that is insanely loud i don't know how you're dealing with that you hear it yeah <laughs> It is as loud as you guys are. You serious? Yeah, this is gonna be impossible to cut out. Sorry. The thing is, it's like he's just embarrassing himself. <laughs> it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, this dude sucks. It's 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 a little funny. He does it like so I don't feel bad about. I mean, it, you know, no, I'm not saying his uh, guitar playing is on this level, but it is similar to the movie how it's like conversations and then just like kind of guitar <laughs> strings every now and then. Yeah. 
It's like the opening to Breaking Bad, but stretched out for two hours. Play that, right, Gabe? What? You know how to play that, right? Uh, or just I like, like slide, slide blues, right? Yeah, I can play slide blues. No, I'm done editing the show. I just I just click upload. Wait, you want me? Slurs be damned. <laughs> what? <laughs> Slurs be there of which there are none. Yeah, this is the soundtrack right here. Yeah. That's the soundtrack. Yeah, I will say, you know, it was kind of a vibe at first, and then towards the end, it kind of, I was just like, is he just tuning his guitar? What is going on? I like it, honestly. <laughs> I think it works in some scenes. Some scenes, I, I thought it was kind of annoying. Like, I love it in the long landscape shots. But then there is, like, the scene where they're doing the cute walkie-talkie part. Yeah. Dude. When they were, they were following the mommy... Mommy! That was like, that was like... We gotta, we gotta talk still. We gotta talk still. We gotta talk still, bro! Alright. Anyway, so when, <laughs> when, they were, when they were following, uh... Um... Jane home... They could've, the movie could've just ended. Because they chose the wrong car. Yeah, true. Or it's like a month later. Yeah. The, the way that shot was that 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 scene was shot too with like how the perspective had both cars and it was kind of following the one on the right for a moment. Yeah. It really could have ended there. It felt like they were making the wrong decision. I like that. All right. Um, should we do final thoughts? Oh my God. <laughs> play in key. Please play in key. <laughs> if yeah. you're gonna Think about it, play in key. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Let's see some final thoughts and then uh do some more final thoughts, I don't know. This guy's falling off the deep end. Final He's thoughts and then we just hang out. Yeah, then we we just shoot the shit. Um uh I'll start and then we'll wrap to you, Noah, since it's your your week, your movie, your dish that you've prepared for us that you've so elegantly cooked. Um yep. Movie. Final thoughts are the same as my first thoughts. Uh, yeah, it's a good movie. It's very nice to look at. Great performances. Got no real beef with it. Just not one of my personal uh, Mount Rushmore films. Uh, I'm giving this one a 75 out of 97. That's kind of low. No, that's a good ratio. 75 out of 97. I, let me do. The, let me do the percentage. Would that even be? 79%. Oh, wait, yeah, that is low. I'm sorry. Hold on. I'm going to give this one... I'm going to do some math before I do this. I'm... All I have to do is like a 7... Oh, yeah, 82. I'm giving it an 84 out of 96. How about that? Yeah. There we go. Much better. All right, um, Gabe. Um, this movie was a really good watch. My first time seeing it. I'm sure I missed some themes that I probably could go back and, like, pick up on because you guys pointed out the colors to me and it started to make sense, so... Um, but overall, I'd give this movie um, uh, in-key, on-rhythm, lead guitarist that knows what they're doing with the instrument out of a shitty apartment above us. The opposite of this guy. Above Stupid Baby Studios. Yeah, for, yeah. Yeah. Dude, we should invite him to jam. No. And then I just, like, kill him. And then just, and then just be like... <laughs> Alright, so can you play along to this chord progression? Blah, 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 blah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they make the cut. Sorry, bud. Alright, so my final thoughts are uh, I fucking love this movie. Enough said. I just. <laughs> it makes me well up on the inside and tears, tears be flowing and eyes be blinking, you know? And I'd be breathing hard and crying and stuff. And it's so good and it makes me. It's a movie that makes you. Ref makes me at least reflect about my life and events that have transpired. It makes me look at them differently. It did make me look at them differently when I first 
um, watched it, and uh, I think it's it's good when a movie touches you on that deep of a level, or any piece of art, really. You know, I'd say you know it's a good piece of art. Is it? It kind of changed your life, really. Sort of like that. Not to be like it changed my life, but you know, my life is different having seen it. So. Yeah, that's always good when you can find a movie that just becomes a capital F favorite. Yeah, it's like Barry Lyndon for you. Hell is yeah. But um, anyway, we'll see you at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>